they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday. Today is May the 19th, I believe. <laughs> so today is Friday, May the 19th. Welcome, welcome to Bible with the Barbers. And we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. So we are on the day, we're in the days between Ascension and Pentecost. We are supposed to be praying as with the early church as they prayed for the coming of the Spirit, the coming of the paraclete that Christ had promised. So in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia, for he whom you merited to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia, for the Lord is truly risen, alleluia. O God, who by the resurrection of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, have vouchsafed to make glad the whole world. Grant we beseech thee that through the prayers of the Virgin Mary, we may rejoice to share in his resurrection. Through the same Christ, our Lord, amen. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncele et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis. Benedictus qui venit in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. Come, O Holy Spirit, fill the hearts of the faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit, and they shall be created, and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. O God, who by the light of the Holy Spirit did instruct the hearts of the faithful, grant that in the same spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, two weeks ago, we talked about um, woundedness and isolation, uh, that were caused, and a lot of that was brought out and exacerbated by the pandemic, and then, um, so what do we do about it? And um, last week, we talked about how to build a better relationship with God as an answer for ourselves, first, a better relationship for ourselves with God, and then for others also, to help other people build a better relation. And now we want to talk about letting go and letting God, which is why the Holy Spirit, it's so appropriate that this fell, and this was God's providence, that this was all orchestrated because I didn't plan this out. But I realize now God had a plan. He planned this out that on, um, during the novena, and we're playing, we call it a novena, these, these 10 days between Pentecost and, and, no, between, excuse me, between Ascension Thursday, which was yesterday, Ascension Thursday, and yes, liturgically in many dioceses, Ascension will be celebrated this coming Sunday, but it was actually yesterday. 40 days after Easter was yesterday. That was the day of the Ascension of our Lord. So, and he promised to send his spirit. Remember when he's um, had them out there uh, in the beginning of the Acts of the Apostles, and he had the apostles assembled together. He was getting ready to leave. And he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. That's Acts 1, 4, and 5. And so um, 
Jesus is going to send his apostles out after his, you know, resurrection. Remember at the end of Matthew's gospel, he tells them, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. So Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. He promised the Holy Spirit. And he told them to wait after his ascension to go to Jerusalem and to pray, wait and pray. So that's what they're doing. That's what the church, the first, the early church in the beginning, that's what she was doing in this time. Wait, so we, and we relive that in a certain sense every year and we're waiting and praying, come O Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, live in our lives. Fill us with the fire of your love. Enlighten us with your truth and your love and especially with your love. So we want to talk about that. We want to talk about, and I'm not going to be able to go to all the Bible verses that refer to the Holy Spirit, but there, there's so many of them. And it's, it's so beautiful. God is not a solitude unto himself. He's a trinity of persons. And as John Paul II said, he is the original family, okay? God is a community of love and life. In, the God, in God, in God, the one God, there is fatherhood, there is sonship, and the essence of the family, which is love, who is the Holy Spirit, okay? God is not an it. He's not a what. God is God, and he is three divine persons. So the Holy Spirit, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. And at the end of John's gospel, um, he said, he says in John 14, 26, he tells his apostles, this is at the Last Supper, but the helper, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So when he gives them the command at the end of Matthew to teach everything that he had taught them, he's going to give them the Holy Spirit. Now, they haven't yet received the Holy Spirit. So after, after the ascension, they go back to the upper room and they stay there and they pray, okay? They pray together and they're praying and fasting. And what is, what is this about, okay? We have this task. I remember Priest put it this once with this way once. He said, it's this task that we have of getting out of the way of God's work, of letting God work in and through us. We get in the way. Our sins get in the way, but not just our sins. We have a human nature. We have our own ideas about how things should go. We have our own perfect paradise that we've conceived. We have our own preconceived notions about how life should look. We have our own preconceived notions about how other people should act and respond in life. And sometimes we want to control the lives of others. We think, oh, that person is so sad. I'm going to make them be happy. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make them be happy. Uh, that person, oh, they decided to go to college. What a waste of time. Or that person decided not to go to college. What a waste of time. And it's like, no, everybody has a different calling. Not everybody's called to go to college. And not everybody's called to, to be a roofer or a construction man or an electrician or a plumber. Everybody has their own calling. And in terms of a life vocation, you know, there are some called to the priesthood, some called to married life, some called to the religious life. So, and then there are those who are called to the single life to serve the church as a single person within the church. And there've always been those, you know, 
either the widows who never got married again or um, people who just never got married. They were going to get married and somebody, the, the, the person they were going to marry died. Or, you know, God has a vocation for everyone. He has a mission for everyone, everyone out there, no matter how wounded you are, no matter how isolated you feel, no matter how alone you think you are in this world. God is with you and he has a mission for you. He has a plan for your life and he has a mission that he hasn't given to anyone else. So we need to pray and we need to let God be God in our life. And that's the biggest thing is God is in charge. He has a mission for our life. He made us with a specific purpose in mind. And the first part of that purpose is he made us to show forth his goodness and to share his happiness with us. He wanted to share his life with us. He didn't have to make us. He doesn't need us. It doesn't add anything to his greatness or his glory that we exist. It's purely free gift. And he shares with us his life and his glory and his happiness. And this is what he desires for us. But in order to do that, we have to know him and love him and serve him. So we know, you know, our freedom is not the freedom to do what we want. Okay, doing what we want, doing what we feel like doing is not freedom. Our freedom is to do what we were made to do. Okay, if I take a pen and try to open a door with it, I'm not using that pen for the purpose for which it was created. And so the pen is no longer free. As a matter of fact, I'm going to break it. And I might even jam the door. So I might cause double damage. Um, so, you know, and we've done this. So use, use a pen as a pry tool. How many times have you see these broken pens? And it's like, I know what happened there because I've done that. I tried to use the pen as a pry tool. That's not what it was for. So our freedom is in being who God made us to be. And he made us to be in union with himself and to be free of sin, to live in his grace. Now, because of original sin, yes, and, and I have to correct myself on this because I've said, you know, I try to emphasize that when man fell in the original sin, that he fell out of grace, but he did more than fall out of grace. His nature fell. His nature was wounded. God created man in a state of perfect union with himself, where he knew perfectly that God was God and the true good that he was made to choose. Man was made to choose goodness. And God is the good we were made to choose. And so when we choose a lesser good, we're not free. We're actually becoming slaves of our disordered passions, which are when God made us, our passions weren't disordered. God didn't create evil men. He didn't create evil. Evil came into the world through sin. Death came into the world through sin. The scripture is very clear about this. And we are acting in a disordered way when we sin and when we don't follow God's plan. So we need God's help. And of course, God, the father sent his son and then the father and the son send the Holy spirit. And they have this mission, this mission to sanctify us and to, um, to, to redeem us and to sanctify us. The son came to offer his life to be the perfect offering to the father, the, the perfect offering that would make true reparation for the sin, the offense that was committed against God, all the offenses that were committed against God. And then the father and the son send the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit comes to complete the mission of the son. That is to bring about the sanctification. And Jesus hasn't left us either. And the Holy Spirit is with us. And we want to talk more about this and about these days now as we come up to Pentecost and how we should anticipate and pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Hasten the day of his coming. 
So don't go away. Please let everybody know we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Happy Wednesday. Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome, welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, May the 19th. And we are talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday was Pentecost. And again, this is, we're, we're continuing the theme that I've been working on for the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, the isolation people feel, the woundedness of people, but we're not alone. We're never alone. And last week we talked about building our relationship with God and, and how to, um, so that we can help others build their relationship with God. And now we're going to talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit, because in these days between yesterday, which was Ascension Thursday, which will be celebrated liturgically in many dioceses, um, in the Los Angeles Archdiocese, but in, in some dioceses it was celebrated because it was yesterday. The actual day of Ascension was yesterday. But liturgically it will be celebrated on Sunday. And But during the days between Ascension and Pentecost, we're praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Do you remember the early church? And we talked in the beginning here about Jesus at his ascension, telling the apostles to go back to Jerusalem and wait for the promise that he had made. He said, I will send you the Holy Spirit, okay? Um, and, you know, John the Baptist had told his followers, he said, you know, I baptize you with water for repentance. That's a baptism of repentance. But he was coming after me is mightier than I. And I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. And he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Um, Matthew 3, 11. And so what happened at Pentecost? Well, at Pentecost, um, what happened? The, the, the apostles were there. They were praying. Remember, they had been in the upper room since the ascension. They had been praying together. They're praying for God to send the promise, the promise of the, the paraclete. You promised, the, Jesus promised that his father would send the paraclete. So, um, he says uh, in Acts, they're there and they're, they're praying. And what happens? Well, the, whole, the house that they're in shakes. There's a wind. There's this noise of a strong driving wind. The whole house shakes. And what appears? Tongues as of fire appear and rest on the apostles. And suddenly they begin to speak in foreign languages about the marvels that God has done. And all the people who are there in Jerusalem who are nearby come to see what is going on. And then they hear these men speaking and they're like, wait a minute, we're all hearing them in our own native tongue. How is this possible? And oh, they're drinking too much. You know, they've had too much new wine. And it's like, and Peter stands up and he says, no, this is nine o'clock in the morning. It's not too much wine. This is what God promised. He promised that in the end of days, he would pour out his spirit upon them. And their old men would dream dreams and their young men would see visions and there would be prophecies and you know, go back to Acts 2, where you have the outpouring of the Holy Spirit here for the first time. And, you know, where Peter addresses the crowd. And, and again, he's quoting from the Old Testament. In those last days, it shall be, God declares, that I shall pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Yes, and on my men servant and my maiden servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit. And they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood. Before the day of the Lord comes, the great and 
manifest day. And it shall be that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Peter is telling them, this is what you see happening here. Okay. Again, read Acts 2, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't just for the early church. God continues to pour his spirit out upon the church. And we need to continue to pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And there's so many passages in the New Testament about the Holy Spirit. And Peter, Peter tells them on Pentecost Sunday, he's, you know, they're like, well, what are we supposed to do? You know, they, Peter tells them about how Jesus came. He was the Messiah, and yet he was rejected by the leaders of the people. And, and he said, well, they said, well, what are we supposed to do? And he said, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. When in the Acts of the Apostles and the New Testament, they use that expression, they mean in the manner that Jesus taught us to baptize. And that was, remember, in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, go therefore and baptize in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So they're supposed to baptize these people. All right. And it's for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And then in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus talked about how if your son comes to you and asks you for a loaf of bread, would you give him a snake? Or if he asked you for some meat, would you give him a scorpion? No. Because if, and, and if you, you who are evil, in other words, we sinners, if we do good things for our children, he, then he goes on to say, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? Do we ask? Are we begging him to pour out his spirit? Oh yeah, I was baptized. I received the Holy Spirit baptized. I've been confirmed. I received the Holy Spirit. Do we ask for more of the Holy Spirit? Do we ask? Faith is a gift. You know, you can, that faith can increase every day. My God, I believe in you. Increase my faith. Hope is a gift. My God, I hope in you. Strengthen my hope. I trust you. Strengthen my trust. Love, charity. My God, I love you. Let me love you more and more. Lend me your love, oh my God, with which to love you, that you may be loved as you deserve. And we can ask Jesus, lend me your heart, Jesus, with which to love my neighbor, so I can love my neighbor as you commanded me. But do we beg him for the Holy Spirit? Do we beg him for more of the Holy Spirit? And remember, are we asking him because we want to be able to do extraordinary things? Okay, it's like, oh God, yes, give me your Holy Spirit so that I can speak in tongues and give me your Holy Spirit so that I can work miracles and give me your Holy Spirit so that I can prophesy and I could be so wise. And people will look at me and say, wow, wow, wow. But people will look at me. Is that why we're asking? Remember in the letter of James, James says, you know, you ask and you don't receive because you ask with a view of squandering what God would give you. Oh, we examine ourselves. Lord, make me humble. Make me the least of all. <laughs> but, but give me the fullness of your spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? The fire of God's love. Love is not perfect in one who is afraid, Jesus said. Love is not yet perfect in one who is afraid. And what happened to the apostles on Pentecost? when they received the Holy Spirit. Their love was perfected. Perfected to the point where they were going to preach the gospel even if it meant imprisonment, suffering, being flogged, 
going hungry, you know, having no place to stay, if it meant giving up their lives. They were so on fire with the love of God. And how can we be on fire with the love of God without the Holy Spirit? We need to pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We need to pray. And there's so much, you know, God sent his spirit. He sent forth his spirit to renew the face of the earth. Send forth your spirit and renew the face of the earth. In the Old Testament, there are some prayers about the coming of the Holy Spirit and some promises about the Holy Spirit and and different, um, you know, of course, in Genesis 1, 1 and 2, we have the spirit hovering over the waters, okay, that the In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And then we have in um, one of the prophets here, in Isaiah, this is so beautiful. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and of might, the Spirit of knowledge and a fear of the Lord. Now this is Isaiah 11 too, and it's a prophecy about the Messiah, but this is the spirit. He has a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and of might and of knowledge and a fear of the Lord, the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. So we know him. And in Ezekiel, it says, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to observe my decrees. Ezekiel 36, 27. How are we going to keep the commandments of God? By the grace of God, by the presence of his spirit dwelling in us. Now, remember, when the Holy Spirit comes, that doesn't mean Jesus and the the, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, the Son of God, Jesus and his Father leave us. It's not not the Lone Ranger kind of stuff. When the the Trinity is acting outside of itself, it's the whole Trinity acting. So when when he gives us the Holy Spirit, the Father and the Son are still with us too. God dwells in us. God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He made his dwelling in us at baptism. And he he continues to dwell in us. So we have all these promises of the Holy Spirit. In Psalm um, 143, it says... Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. Let your good spirit lead me on level ground. Is there any way we can hide from God? Where can I go from your spirit? Or where should I flee from your presence? If I ascend to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. Psalm 139, 7 through 8. And the other one, teach me to do your will for you are my God. Let your good spirit guide me on level ground. That's Psalm 143. So all these prayers and promises of the Holy Spirit, the working of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, the prophecies about the Messiah. And um, you know, we have another, the Messiah. Isaiah 6, 1 and 2. 61, I'm sorry, Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, 
to comfort all who mourn. And of course, Jesus tells them, he reads this passage in Nazareth and he said, in your presence today, this passage is fulfilled. God is good to his promises. He doesn't forget what he promised. And the, the spirit of the Lord is there to lead us into union with God. It's not so that we can be proud about what we are doing, so that we can be filled with um, arrogance and, and look down on others and say, well, you know, those poor people, they don't know how to pray in the spirit or they don't know how to um, pray in tongues or no, it's about love. It's about perfecting the love of God in us so that we're not afraid of persecution. We're not afraid of witnessing to our faith. Practically in the world today, are we afraid in our United States of America as Catholics to be Catholic, to stand up and say, you know what? Abortion is wrong. To deliberately take the life of an innocent child is wrong. And there's nothing, nowhere that can ever justify it. To deliberately break God's law and turn our back on God and slap God in the face, that's wrong. But are we willing to witness to that? We need to pray for more of the Holy Spirit. Ask your friends and family to join us here on Bible with the Barbers as we speak about the coming of the Holy Spirit and praying for his coming, begging God to pour out his spirit upon us. Thank you for joining us on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to the Bible with the Barbers. So we're speaking here today about the coming of the Holy Spirit because we are in that time between Ascension Thursday, which was yesterday, and Pentecost, and we're praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And we're also tying this, the last couple of weeks, I, I was talking, two weeks ago, we talked about uh, woundedness and isolation, and what do we do, and how do we help ourselves and others to come out of that isolation? Um, then how do we build a better relationship with God, because God is really the answer we're seeking. That was last week. And now we're talking about the letting go of control, and understanding that we want to give control of our lives to God. And how do we do that? What does that look like? Well, here, remember the apostles were afraid and after Jesus rose from the dead. Now, then, then he came and he instructed them for 40 days. And there wasn't as much fear because now they had more of his love in them and they were a little more confident, but they still, they didn't have the Holy Spirit yet. So Jesus told them not to go out and preach yet. He said, go back to Jerusalem and wait, wait for the coming of the Holy Spirit. And so from Ascension Thursday until Pentecost Sunday, when the Holy Spirit was sent, they had to wait. So they were in prayer in waiting. Are we in prayer waiting? Do we go before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament? Are we doing our duty? And while we're doing our duty, are we offering that to God as a sacrifice? You know, do everything, the angel told the children at Fatima, everything and make of it a sacrifice for love of you, Jesus, for the conversion of sinners. And he added in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary, because God made Mary's Immaculate Heart. And when we when we denigrate her, we're insulting God. So God loves his mother. And just like when you love your mother and you don't let your friends talk bad about your mother, not, you're not welcome in my home if you talk bad about my mother. God loves his mother, okay? The fourth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother, it means to bestow glory upon them. And 
Jesus does bestow glory upon his mother. So we want the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to come into us. We want him to fill us. We want him to give us those gifts of wisdom and understanding and knowledge and of counsel and of um, piety and of fear of the Lord and fortitude to be strong in serving the Lord. And, and the apostles after, Pente- after Pentecost, they go out. Now, once they receive the Holy Spirit, they go out and the fear is gone. And we talked about that in the last section. The fear is gone because they're filled with love. The love of God is brought to perfection in them. So that's what we're asking, that the Holy Spirit come. And we're not supposed to grieve the Holy Spirit by whom we were sealed for the day of redemption. And we, were, we are sealed by that. And that means don't grieve him. That means don't sin. Give up our sins and ask God for the grace. And that's why Jesus established the sacrament of confession, because he knows that we have concupiscence. He knows that we're weak. And he knows that we're incapable of not sinning with ourselves, with our own power. Remember when the apostles and the rich young man comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to be saved? And Jesus says, well, you have to keep the commandments. Only he gives commandments four through 10. And the young man says, I've kept them all. What's lacking? And Jesus says, oh, well, go and sell what you have and come and follow me. And the young man went away sad because his possessions were many. Well, the interesting thing about that is he didn't say, um, love the Lord your God with your whole heart and mind and soul, the first commandment, which sums up the first three of the Decalogue. Um, he said, "Come and fo- go sell what you have and come follow me. And the rich young man goes away sad. And Jesus says how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the apostles are like, what? I mean, we thought riches was a sign that you were blessed and that you were living in union with God and that that, that meant you were going to heaven. And Jesus says, no, it's easier for the camel to pass through the eye of a needle and by the way, the, the, the evangelist Luke was a surgeon, and the word he used for needle there was sur- surgeon's needle, the surgical needle that the surgeon used, okay? It's easier for the camel to pass through the eye of the needle than it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the apostles are like, well, then who can be saved? Because they thought rich people were saved. They thought that was the sign of salvation, that God had blessed you with all this wealth. And he, Jesus said what? For man, it is impossible, but for God, all things are possible. So the Holy Spirit was given to us, but we don't want to grieve him. We want to ask the Lord to help us not to sin. But if we do sin, he gave us the sacrament of confession. That's for the forgiveness of any sins committed after baptism. Particularly mortal sins, we have to confess them in number and kind. And in order for a sin to be mortal, first it has to be serious moral evil, we have to know that it's serious moral evil, and we have to give full consent of our will to it. Okay? So if we commit a mortal sin, then we need to go to confession. But even if we haven't committed a mortal sin, we can confess our venial sins. Pope John Paul II, St. John Paul II, encouraged devotional confession. Go to confession on a frequent and regular basis. And he kept saying this, and people find, someone finally said, what do you mean frequent? And he said, at least once a month at least once a month. Go to confession at least once a month. You know what? It helps us. It, it not only takes away our sins, it strengthens us against temptation. It helps us not to fall into sin again. And it really, really fortifies us against mortal sin. If we confess our venial sins and make a real effort to uh, uh, eliminate them from our life and ask God to fill up that place so that we're filled with God, then it's less and less likely that we're going to fall into mortal sin. 
But even Tres of Lezus said, even if I had commit every mortal sin there was to commit, I would throw myself on the mercy of God, knowing, knowing that he came to save sinners. So don't be afraid to go to him and tell him your sins. By the way, he already knows. Don't hide anything. God already knows all your sins, and there's no way you can shock any priest. You know, it's just, he's heard it all. He's heard it all. Um, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So the word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. In whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So we've trusted in Jesus Christ and his promise. We've trusted in the word that he spoke. And now he gives us the Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased promise. Christ purchased the promise. He purchased us heaven for us. But are we going to cooperate with that and accept it? And if we do, it's to the praise of his glory. And we will share in that glory. But his Holy Spirit is the one who is the guarantee of that. And he gives us his spirit. He does. And we can ask for more of the spirit. For as many are as led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. Romans 8, 14 through 17. Are we willing to allow God to have dominion over our life? Are we willing to give him control? Are we willing to even deny our own nature, our created nature and say, I give you permission, Lord, to divinize me. He's not going to change us into God, but he shares his life with us. We are his children. Do we behave like God as his very dear children? You know, sometimes people get so hurt in this world and they think that God, the God of the Christians, the, you know, the Catholic church preaches, is, is the God who created evil. Well, God didn't create evil. There's no God that created evil. God is good. To be God means that he is the source of all goodness, all beauty, all truth. He is worthy of all praise and glory and honor and worship and adoration. That's what it means to be God. And only he, there can only be one God. And there is only one God. But in God, there are three persons. He's not a solitude unto himself. So where did all this evil come from? Sin. A third of the angels rebelled against God. They despised God. And they rejected even their, they didn't even choose their own nature. They just hated God's plan so much, you know, that God was going to send his son as a creature lower than them. And they were going to serve a creature that was lower than them. And Lucifer was cut to the quick. I will not serve. And he rejected God. He rejected love. He has faith. He never saw God face to face. He knows God exists. 
He has faith that God exists and he, he knows that he didn't make himself. He knows he's just a creature. He tries to fool us into thinking he's a creator, but all the evil comes from that. And then he tempted Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, who God made in a perfect state. God created Adam and Eve in his own image and he gave them grace in his image. That means that they had grace. They had sanctifying grace. They had God living in them. And the devil came and tempted them to sin, to reject God, to believe that God wasn't good. Aha. So you see, if you're tempted to think because you've suffered at the hands of other people that God couldn't possibly be good, it's the devil who's tempting you. It's, it's the sin and the evil of that the devil brought into the world. Evil is not a thing. It's an anti-thing. It's a rejection of God and his goodness. God is good. He is all good. He is all goodness and beauty and truth. And he is worthy of all praise and glory and adoration. And if you've been wounded, if you've been molested or abandoned or abused or neglected, your trust may have been broken. And so it's hard for you to turn to God and say, I trust you. And then we look at the cross and it's like, well, Lord, you suffered. Why do I have to suffer? Didn't you do it all for me? And that's part of it. It's like the devil tempts us to say, well, God should have done it all for you, shouldn't he? If he was a loving father, wouldn't he have done all the suffering for you? I remember one time my brother said to me, he said, I saw my son sweat blood. One of his sons got injured and, and he was a child. He was a little child. And my brother took him to the emergency room and he stayed with him as they stitched him up. And he was in so much pain that he sweat blood. Was my brother causing him to sweat blood? Was he being a bad father because he allowed that doctor to sew that injury up and, and cause that much pain to the child? To finish this story on the other side. Don't go away. We'll be back. Please tell your friends and family to listen to Virgin Most Powerful Radio and Bible with the Barber. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers. Thank you for joining us on this Friday, May the 19th. Um, we are in that time of the novena for Pentecost. We're praying for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Yesterday was Ascension Thursday. I wasn't celebrated liturgically in the Diocese of Los Angeles and many other dioceses, but it, it was actually Ascension Thursday. Liturgically, we'll celebrate it on Sunday um, here in the Diocese of Los Angeles. Uh, but for those who've already celebrated it yesterday, it will be uh, the seventh Sunday of Easter will be celebrated on Sunday. So anyway, we're talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And in the last few weeks, I had this program going on where we, we talked about um, the isolation and loneliness that was caused by the pandemic and how that was all exacerbated by the pandemic. And um, how, how do we help people out in that situation? How do we help ourselves out? Are we, you know, um, I, last week we talked about building a better relationship with God. And this week we're talking about letting go of control and allowing God to be in control, which is just perfect for the coming of the Holy Spirit. We want the Holy Spirit to come. Now, maybe we can follow up on that next week. This, I have so much here to cover about the Holy Spirit. I can't do it all in one. But um, people get this idea. And, and an, an app listener did ask this question is, you know, well, obviously God must be evil because there are evil people and God made them and he could stop them from doing the evil they're doing, but he doesn't. So he must be evil. No, we're drawing the wrong conclusions. And it's actually the enemy, the enemy of all men, 
the devil, who is trying to get us to think that way. You see, God didn't make evil. He made goodness. And he gives everyone sufficient grace to be saved. But we have to want it. We have to desire it. And oftentimes, you know, we're talking about the fact that some people have had their trust shattered when they were children. They were molested. They were abused. They were neglected. They were abandoned. Or, you know, sometimes it's just they've had a, a rough life. They've, things have happened that, you know, it wasn't even that so much. It's just that it was, life was tough. And it's like, well, why is it so hard? Jesus, you suffered. And I, I remember this. I remember once somebody telling me, well, Jesus suffered. We don't have to suffer. Well, honey, Jesus didn't come to eradicate human suffering. He didn't come to take away the effects of original sin. He came to give us the grace to live in the freedom of the children of God, to be truly the children of God and to live in freedom, even in the midst of this struggle within ourselves, where the flesh militates against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. The spirit wants to choose God, knows that God is good, looks to God as the true good. But the flesh, you know, our flesh, our all of the faculties of our body want their own favorite food, independent of the good of our, of our whole. Well, the be, our greatest good is to choose God because the greatest good is to save our soul. And so if we're not choosing to, to serve God and to love him, we're not free. We're slaves. And so we were talking before the break about a good father. Would a good father allow his children to suffer? Well, I told the story about my brother. He went to the emergency room with one, once with one of his children. And he said, I saw my son sweat blood. And the doctor was stitching his son up. The son had gotten an injury and that it was so much pain. When the doctor was stitching him up, it caused so much pain that the child sweat blood. That you know, there were some pink. And, it, and it's just like, oh, my heavens. Was, was my, my brother a bad father because he allowed this? Well, Kimberly Hahn tells a beautiful story about when after her husband became Catholic and she was still Protestant and then, you know, she's in this, this, this dilemma about what do I do? You know, here God, you know, my husband was a Protestant minister. I was a minister's wife. We were working together to spread the gospel. And then now he's Catholic and we're divided. And, and I have my friends telling me I should divorce him. And there's so much turmoil. And why? Why would you do this to me? Why would you do this to me? And their daughter Hannah got a fever and ended up in the hospital. And one night, Kimberly was in the hospital with Hannah. And um, all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, the nurses came in and flipped on all the lights. And they get these freezing cold towels. Her fever had spiked 105. And they're putting freezing cold towels on her. And, and Hannah's there on the bed. And she's screaming, Mommy, Mommy, Mommy. Of course, it, it, it's hard. It's torturous. You know what it would be like to have a freezing cold towel put on you? Even a lukewarm towel. When you're... Temperature's 105 degrees, you know, and, and Kimberly's looking at her and the nurse looks and she said, well, you can help us or stand there like a bump on a log. We need to get this fever down or it'll kill her. And that, that's the danger. The fever can, before the fever kills the, the virus it's fighting or whatever it's fighting inside the bacteria, it can kill the, the, the person. <laughs> so, so Kimberly started putting these freezing cold towels on her daughter and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it was as if Jesus said to her, Kimberly, I love you this much. Yes, you're causing Hannah pain right now. But if you don't cause her that pain, she's going to die. You see, if I don't allow you to suffer the pain that you have in your life right now, you might lose your soul for all eternity. And so you see, when we're suffering, 
It's not because God's mad at us or he's punishing us. He's trying to purify us and free us from our own sinfulness, from the wounds, free us from the wounds that that have happened to us in life because those wounds lie to us about our goodness and our lovableness. You know, people who've suffered a lot don't think they're lovable. They don't think anybody can love them, much less God. It's like, no, you are lovable. You're beautiful and good. You didn't suffer because you're bad or because you deserve it. You didn't suffer because God's beating you up and you didn't suffer because God is evil. God is good. And yes, a good father will allow his children to suffer. If that suffering, if there's a greater good coming out of that suffering and God will never allow an evil to happen that he cannot bring a greater good out of. By the way, the greatest evil that ever happened on the face of this earth was deicide. The son of God really became human. He really took to himself a human nature. And in that human nature, the son of God experienced death. When Jesus Christ said on the cross, it is finished, Father, into your hands I commend my spirit. His soul left his body. He died. The human nature of him died. Now, God couldn't die, but the Son of God remained united to the dead body on the cross and the living soul of Jesus Christ, the living human soul. God experienced death. God came to save man, and man's response was to kill God. It's like, really? Yes. Remember Jesus told the parable about the owner of the vineyard? And he sends his servants, and they beat one, and they kill another, and they stone a third, and finally, I'll send my son. I'll send my son. They'll respect him. And what did they do? They dragged the son out of the vineyard and they killed him. The vineyard, Jerusalem. And they dragged him out, Calvary, the hill outside of Jerusalem, and they killed him. And what did Jesus say on the cross? Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. We offended God, and God said, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they do. Mercy and justice in God are one and the same attribute. So God's mercy is just, but his justice is merciful. And even the demons and the souls in hell have to admit they're not getting the punishment they deserve for their sins. So if you're feeling like God is evil, renounce the lie. It's only the wounds in you and or those combined with the enemy getting in there and trying to manipulate those wounds to get you to hate God. God is good. And by the way, there's only what God created. There's only one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three divine persons, one God, and only God is good. Everything else is created and God is the source of all creation and everything that he made is good. The demons rejected God, and by so doing, they rejected love and became evil. They rejected love and became evil. And they tempt man to do the same thing. And they tempt us to hate God and one another. Because God is love. And if we're going to live in God, we have to live in love. So in this whole 
thing about loneliness and um, isolation and how do we cure it? Well, the biggest part of this is we have to let go and let God be God and know that, that I'm not God and that the devils are not God and no created spirit is God and no creature that you've ever run into or, you know, you think, you know, people think they have some, they've, oh, the, the aliens out there in the universe. Well, if there are aliens out there in the universe, God made them because they're creatures. There's only one God. And God revealed himself by becoming man. He fully revealed himself by the son of God becoming man. And then he sent his spirit and his spirit is with us. And he loves us. And his love will heal us and free us if we allow it in. And that can hurt when we've been wounded, when we're experiencing isolation, that can hurt. And the devil will use the hurts of the past. He'll use our wounds and particular ones in particular. <laughs> there are certain molestations and abuses that the devil will use against us if we've ever experienced those to try and get us to turn our back on God. Don't. Renounce Satan. Renounce his lies. Renew our baptismal promises. I renounce Satan and all his pomps and works and all his empty promises. I reject evil and refuse to be mastered by the glamour of evil. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in his Son, Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin, suffered, died, was buried, rose from the dead, ascended to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. And we can also say for those who are wounded, for all of us wounded people out there, our neurotics, I renounce all self-hatred and self-deprecation. And I unite, my, my, I, I unite myself to the love of Jesus for me. Jesus loves me and I unite myself to his love for me. I want to accept God's love. I want to let it in. And I want to appreciate his love. I want to acknowledge how great his love is. Look at the cross. He's not saying, oh, you horrible, awful sinner. See how horrible you are. He's saying, I love you this much. I love you this much. Lord, I want to accept all that love. I want to accept the gift of your Holy Spirit, the fullness of your spirit. Fill me with your spirit. Set me on fire with your love. Fill me with your love and let your love burn out in me all that keeps me from coming close to you in love. Perfect love within me, O oh Lord. God is our biggest fan. He died so that we could succeed and get to heaven. Don't give up. God is on your side. God is on our side. He wants us to get to heaven. And he is merciful and he will forgive anything. So, thank you for joining us on Bible with the Barbers. Thank you to our supporters, to the radio stations that pick up our, our uh, signal. Look up the Holy Spirit in your Bible that has a little, if it has a little index in the back and look up Holy Spirit read about and pray about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to come. We're in these days of the novena, begging God to pour out his spirit upon us. Lord, send out your spirit upon us again. Fill us and renew the face of the earth. Come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, O Holy Spirit. Live in our hearts. Thank you for joining us. May God bless you.